Happiness is by nature fleeting, though obviously not as fleeting as joy. Joy is a spark, a sudden gust. Joy is literally all about the moment. Happiness has a longer half-life than joy, but it's still not a distance runner. Happiness is a day trip, a short story. Happiness implies a certain freedom from doubt or regret. Hi, I'm Petra Vernon, and this is Mostly Essays. Today, we'll have a look at Megan Dom's collection of essays entitled The Unspeakable and Other Subjects of Discussion. A little bit about Megan Dom. She's a columnist for the Los Angeles Times and a author of three other books, uh, previous books entitled um, uh, My Misspent Youth, which is also an essay collection. Her essays and reviews have appeared in The New Yorker, Harper's Magazine, and Vogue. And she has also contributed to NPR's Morning Edition and This American Life. She also has her own website, which you can check out at www.megandome.com. She has uh, a great review by Julia Glass, who says, I love these essays for a completely startling reason. They give voice and shape to so many of my own model thoughts and to lurking sentiments I've never looked square in the face. She's a cultural clairvoyant and is exposing her secret. She's listening to ours. She's also just a wonderful storyteller, funny, perceptive, and painfully wise. So we'll plunge right into Megan's essay on not being a foodie. I hate food. Not that I don't consume it. Like any decent American, I often consume too much of it. I just hate thinking about it. I hate shopping for it, preparing it, serving it, cleaning it, putting it away. Though I would take cleaning up over cooking any day. Cooking fills me with a dread I can only describe as the sum total of my, of every negative feeling I've had about myself. It takes my chronic impatience and divides it up by my inherent laziness and multiplies it to the power of my deepest self-loathing. Food enthusiasts, when trying to determine if someone is a member of their tribe, otherwise known as a foodie, like to ask that question. Do you ask the question, do you eat to live or do you live to eat? My answer would be that I live to avoid thinking too much about what to eat. That's not to say I'm one of those people who forgets to eat. On the contrary, there is no more reliable antidote for boredom or writer's box than a trip to the refrigerator, where for lack of anything more substantial, boxes of locks and containers of leftovers take beckon, like take out um, <laughs> beckons like street hookers. It's more like I forget to taste. I eat neither particularly well nor particularly badly. At the risk of sounding more affluent than I am, my definition of fast food is the prepared sushi sold in packages at the Whole Foods Market. This is probably my favorite meal in the world, even better in some ways than very expensive sushi at a fine sushi bar, which can be stressful and overwhelming and therefore detracts from the experience. As depressing as it is to imagine my final year spent eating casseroles from an E to Z, easy foil pad, there's also something perversively comforting about it. 
Maybe because no matter how far you reach out from the family tree, palate turns out to be as heritably a trait as eye color. Or maybe it's just because Lipton onion soup mix as a garnish as well as a seasoning is highly underrated. Besides, I'll tell you what's highly overrated, the idea of going outside your comfort zone and not just when it comes to food. The comfort zone is a dangerous place, a dark abyss where anyone who remains there for too long loses his or herself entirely. Staying within your comfort zone is giving up on life. I read this recently in a news item entitled 20 Things That Mentally Strong People Don't Do. Please understand that I'm not opposed to, str- to hard work. I know that aside from winning the lottery, there is no such thing as success without hard work. But having lived most of my life firmly within the confines of a very specific set of interests and abilities, I can tell you that the comfort zone has many upsides. It may be associated with sloth and cowardness and any number of paralyzed and irrational phobias. It may be a dark abyss where misunderstood people lie around in faded recliners listening to outdated music. But I'm convinced that when handled responsibly, the comfort zone can be as useful and productive as a well-oiled industrial zone. I am convinced that excellence comes not from overcoming limitations, but from embracing them. At least that's what I'd say if I were delivering a TED talk. I'd say, I'd never say anything such as douchey as that in, I'd, I'd never say such a douchey thing like that in a private conversation. I once interviewed the actress Diane Keaton about her style as a status as a style icon. If you follow such things, you probably know that the menswear that helped make Keaton famous in Annie Hall has evolved over the decades into a wardrobe that has branded her. When I asked her, Keaton wears a lot of wide cinch belts and oversized jackets and things like that. She never wears gowns, not even at Oscars, but she often wears elbow length gloves. It's just a little something extra, she said to me. She said she started wearing big jackets to draw attention away from her narrow shoulders. She said she had no waist, so she faked one with a wide dramatic belt. In other words, Keaton only wears clothes that she feels she looks good in. And because these turn out to be very particular clothes, she ends up adhering to the same basic style no matter what the occasion. She has been anointed a style icon, not because she's especially daring, but because she has a limited range. It's, it is within the confines of the comfort zone that she's found greatness. What I take from this is that the path of least resistance has a lot going for it. The comfort zone isn't where you lose yourself, it's where you find yourself. If you are an adult of relatively sound mind and body, cavalier statements about not wanting to do anything difficult are basically tantamount to saying you're not going to bathe because it's such a pain to wait for the tub to fill. But while I'm not proud of the scale of my inaptitude, inaptitude, the truth is that I've gotten a pretty gotten along pretty nicely in life avoiding things I don't naturally do well. My standing as a non-foodist is merely a gateway into the myriad into other areas of non-interest. 
clearly I'm a killjoy. Clearly I have problems with pleasure, with letting go. Surely I'm an unhappy person. These are legitimate criticisms. I do not enjoy most most activities that are commonly labeled fun. Moreover, I'm wary of happiness, both as a word and as and as and as a concept. Happiness, happiness is by nature fleeting, though obviously not as fleeting as joy. joy now, joy, joy is a spark, a sudden gust. Joy is literally all about the moment. Happiness has a longer half-life than joy, but it's still not a distance runner. Happiness, now, happiness is a day trip, a short story. Happiness. Happiness implies a certain freedom from doubt or regret or existential discomfort, and is therefore impossible as a long-term proposition, at least for all but the most unexamined souls. Happiness is an effect of good news, which, like most good news, usually rolls off our screen as quickly as it rolled on. But we're lucky; happiness lasts about as long as a decent manicure. But, but contentment. Now that is something to strive for. My goal in life is to be content. But that I don't mean, and by that I don't mean fine or basically satisfied. I don't mean settling. I mean, for lack of better terms, feeling like I'm in the right life. Contentment for me would mean living in a place where I felt like part of a community, doing work that feels reasonably meaningful, surrounding myself with people I enjoy, respect, and in some cases even love. It would mean spending a, as little time as possible doing things I don't want to do. What I'm saying is that contentment is a tall order, not impossible but formidable enough to elude most of us most most of the time. But there's a trick to it—a master key to all the deadbolts that unlock us out of our inner peace. The key to contentment is to live life to the fullest within the confines of your comfort zone. Stay in safe waters, but plunge, plunge as deeply into them as possible. And if you're good at something, do it a lot. And if you're bad at something, just don't do it. If you can't cook and refuse to learn, don't beat yourself up about it. Celebrate it. Be the best non-cook you can be. When asked to bring a side dish to a dinner party, go to the supermarket, get the nicest pre-prepared dish you can afford. And if you're feeling poor, get macaroni salad. If you're feeling rich, get a balsamic roasted beef salad or some butter squash risotto from a gourmet deli, deli or whatever. But put it in an elegant ceramic serving dish. And present it to the hostess with head held high, and if she says, "This is wonderful. Did you make it?" You can say, "I made the money to buy it," or "I made the five-mile trip from my house to the store," or you can lie and just say you made it, though that comes with the risk of being asked for the recipe.